Welcome, everyone, to the 29th episode of the Hot Takes from the Berg podcast. I'm your host, Jason Michener, joined alongside Ian Hatcher. How are you doing today, Ian? I am very thankful today. I'm thankful for this podcast. I'm thankful for all the wonderful people in my life. And I'm very thankful to be talking about Week 12 right now with you, Jason. I am also thankful for that. And it is, of course, Thanksgiving tomorrow. I hope everyone has a, a very safe Thanksgiving with everything going on. Um, hopefully y'all don't get in trouble, especially if, if you're in a place like Virginia with the, the whole family thing, um, not being able to have more than two families over at a time, uh, just stay safe out there, but also watch some very, very fantastic football this weekend. And we're going to go ahead and hop into that right now, starting with the 1230 game tomorrow. I think this is one of the earlier games played on Thanksgiving in a while, I can't remember the last time there was a twelve thirty game. Yeah, I'm thinking about it now, and it doesn't sound like that. It, or I don't know what time is it usually played. It does sound early. Um, but we have the Houston Texans and the Detroit Lions. Of course, Detroit pretty much always a shoe in for a Thanksgiving game ever since Barry Sanders was there. But this is looking like it's going to be a a very very good game. It's looking like it's going to be a good game, but I'm hoping it's not at the expense of a lot of star players for the for the Lions that I really want to see play. And I mean, the Lions are a team that I mean, unless you're a Lions fan or your team happens to be playing them, you know, you know, you probably don't watch them a lot. So the Thanksgiving game is always a good game for the Lions, the Cowboys. Uh, Cowboys don't really need that much help, but especially for the Lions. And so. And this one, the fact that Kenny Galladay, TJ Hawkinson, Stafford, and Marvin Hall, a uh, up-and-coming receiver that's been, you know, doing pretty well in Kenny G's absence, all of them being questionable doesn't bode too well. But the number one thing I noticed for them last week was they how how badly they needed DeAndre Swift, and he figures to be back in this week, so. For that fact, I, I really, really like that. But if they don't have that that full complement of weapons, Kenny G, Hawkinson, and also, I mean, Matt Stafford, if they don't have your, if you don't have your quarterback, I really don't think you stand a chance in this one. But the fact that they're all questionable really does kind of worry me. How do you feel about that? Um, all of them being questionable is really bad, uh, especially considering Houston has been turning things around lately. Mm-hmm. I mean, it was kind of a close game last week against the Patriots. But still, a win is a win. And Deshaun Watson is really picking things back up, getting back into gear. Um, Brandon Cooks is looking like he was back in New Orleans. Um, Will Fuller is finally getting to where we all thought he was going to be when he came into the league. Yeah. And then, yeah, I, I'd like to see Juke Johnson get a little more involved in the offense. Because I think he is a much better running back at this point than David Johnson is. But then there's guys like Randall Cobb, who I think could really help this team a lot more, but isn't getting the touches. I do believe Cobb is out in this game for the Texans. I think he was the only big injury 
for them this, go, coming into this one. That's fair. That's fair. But also, Darren Fells is yeah looking like he could be good. I'm really glad you touched on Fells. Fells is six foot seven, really really big body. I mean, a really nice target for a guy like Deshaun Watson. And I also just want to show Deshaun Watson some love. Like, I understand, man. Your team is three and seven. Like, no one's really talking about you, but I, I notice you, man. I, I see what you're doing. He, he's having a really really solid season. I think, given all the problems that have been going on in Houston and, and just the dysfunction, especially early in the season. I mean, before they parted ways with Bill O'Brien, I mean, it, it was a real mess. And so just for him to, to see where he's at right now, I know he's at 20 touchdowns, I think to five interceptions, and that's not even counting what he's done on the ground. So I think that's an awesome place for him to be given, you know, everything that's gone on. And I just wanted to take some time to just say, you know, hey, Watson, I noticed what you're doing, buddy. I mean, for how little he's had around him, he's just behind Aaron Rodgers for being in the top five for passing yards. Yeah. He's he's like six yards behind Rodgers. And I get that, you know, being on a losing team means you're, that you're throwing all the time. But, I mean, even with that being said, I mean, it, it wasn't like, you know, early in the season that that was even going well for them. I mean, the experiment for the, you know, the, the transition to transitioning to these, you know, quicker, shiftier, uh, more deep threat kind of fast receivers didn't really pan out in the beginning the way we thought it would. So, I mean, a lot of that was some bad games, I guess, stat-wise you'd say for him, but he's really rebounded nicely and he's putting together a really good season. And I don't think a lot of people are taking notice just because of their team's, his team's record. And reality, like, this offense has been clicking a lot more since Bill O'Brien uh, was fired. It's it's just the defense that's been holding them back. And that can be the same for said for a lot of teams in the NFL right now. Just defense is what's holding them back. Yeah. But I, I think Houston's gonna walk away with the dub this week, especially I I think Deshaun's the better quarterback in the game and I think Houston has a, a little bit of a better defense than Detroit at this point. Yeah, I take it. I'm, some people might say I'm crazy here, but I take it a step further, and I'd say that Sean Watson is the best player in this game. And I think that, you know, even with, you know, like you kind of touched on, even with the, the question marks defensively for the Texans, I think they're kind of walking into a gift here with just the problems the Lions have on it with injuries this week on offense. It just kind of seems like a trap. And also the fact that, you know, Swift, I mean, wasn't active last week. You could look at it two ways. You know, it could help him out a little bit, extended rest, or, you know, it might, you know, his they might not use him the same way they would since he wasn't active last week. But it remains to be seen. But I am rolling with the Texans this one, in this one by a touchdown. Uh, I'll, I'll agree with you on that one. Um, now moving on to the 430 game, uh, probably one of the biggest rivalries in NFL football. Um, but it hasn't really been that spectacular this year. Uh, the Washington football team and the Dallas Cowboys. Um, Dallas coming off a very, very surprising victory last week against the against the Minnesota Vikings. And I will say Andy Dalton looked fantastic. Zeke finally, finally had a, a great game this this year. Yeah. And then. C.D. Lamb had one of the most amazing catches I've ever seen. 
Uh, that really the most amazing catch you've ever seen. It was a really, really good catch, but uh, I don't know if I could say that. Um, but they they had a, a very good game last week. Their defense actually looked like it had some form of like like they actually were able to be put together. No, yeah, and they made the plays when it mattered. That was a big thing for them is that, I mean, you know, your defense, if you if you have a subpar defense, getting the stops when you really need them is such a big thing to help you out, you know, if you have a bad defense. If you can have a, a bad defense, but they can be a clutch bad defense, you know, as long as you have the offense to hang in, that could be a big, a big thing. And I, I do think that, you know, Dallas' defense has that kind of potential. I mean, it's, it's too talented to not. But, I mean, there are – I mean, don't get me wrong. There are some holes on it. But, I mean, they do have a few really talented individual players on that defense that can make plays. So, you really only need, you know, four of those in a, one series to, you know, get the stop. So, I mean, it, it's definitely possible. But, you know, it's the inconsistency that we've seen from it. That's a big question mark from them. But moving on to the football team here, the only injury that I saw that, you know, really made me a little worried was McLaurin and he's questionable. I think he's all reports definitely point to him going and I can't remember what he's, what he's battling with right now, but he is their, you know, top tier guy. He they go as McLaurin goes and he has been absolutely fantastic this season. He's another guy kind of similar position to um, Deshaun Watson. They own a three and seven team that, you know, and especially for McLaurin, he hasn't, Alex Smith has played really admirably when he's played, and he's definitely getting better. But, um, you know, the quarterback position in Washington has just been, you know, here and there all season long. So even with all the changing and all of that, McLaurin has still managed to get his every single week. And you pair that with Antonio Gibson out of the backfield, who's made the transformation from a college wide receiver to NFL running back. And, it seems so seamless that you would have a hard time even believing it. I mean, it's really, really crazy. The guy, both of these guys have really good speed, big playability written all over them. I, I really like those two young players for them. And I think that they're going to have to have a really, really big game. And if I'm being honest, it's no question to me, which defense here is better. It's Washington's. Yeah. And then I saw a stat uh, scrolling through Instagram today that Terry McLaurin has the 12th most receiving yards through his, the first 24 games. Wow. Above, of a, above a guy like Jerry Rice, which is insane to think considering, you know, who he's had throwing to him uh, yeah. the past two years, uh, having a guy like Dwayne Haskins and Colt McCoy and Kyle Allen – not exactly the the best quarterbacks in the league, but Terry McLaurin has somehow found a way to be one of the better receivers in the NFL with what he's had throwing him. Oh, absolutely. I mean, I, I I was there for his you know inaugural inaugural game uh, last year when he I was watching it as an Eagles fan, and I remember I want to say it was first. I don't think it was first drive. It was at some point in the game he just broke a huge bomb on us. And I was like, wow. And he ended up having a really huge game in his debut. And I mean, 
I picked him up in fantasy that week, and I've been a big fan of his ever since. He's absolutely fantastic. I mean, it's crazy to think that his production has been better than DK Metcalf. And, you know, I don't even think that your average NFL fan, you know, really views McLaurin in that light. And it, 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 the disrespect needs to stop. I'll just say that. I'll be kind of upset if he does not make a Pro Bowl this year because he has he's fourth in the NFL right now in receiving yards ahead of guys like DJ Moore and DK Metcalf and Devontae Adams. Like he has had one of the best second years as a as a receiver. Absolutely. Like he he can I think he can hit twelve hundred yards. No oh, doubt. Yeah. It's just going to be like, I mean, it's the same thing. It's just about, you know, the quarterback. They just got to get him the ball. And, I mean, he's not the guy that, you know, needs the ball a ton because of his big playability. But, I mean, you know, it, we got to – I haven't really seen the big play aspect, you know, the huge play aspect since, I hate to say it, but Dwayne Haskins. So, there's got to be something that – it gets figured out, but as long as Washington's getting the ball in McLaurin's hands, I am fine with what they're doing on offense. And then I also have to say, Antonio Gibson leading all rookie running backs and touchdowns. That's that's the last thing you got to say about that. Well, yeah, and on, I just thought this is interesting looking at the both of these teams. He's got eight touchdowns and Zeke has five, and Gibson has managed to do that on 50 less carries than Zeke. And I, I just thought that was – Pretty interesting to see. Um, but I, I'm taking Washington in this game. I think – I just think this defense can't – Washington has one of the best run defenses in the league. And Absolutely. Minnesota has a terrible run defense, especially after trading Yannick Ndokwe. Uh, Everson Griffin still isn't back. They lost to New Hunter last offseason. Um, this defense is nowhere near what it used to be. And I think that's really what helped Zeke get that that one of the first hundred yard games of the season, if if not the first. But I I think Washington's going to do a, a good job of shutting him down. Yeah, I have Washington in this one by a point. Um, I, I do think this is going to be a close game. I mean, for one, when you're talking about a divisional matchup, I, I, those games to me are as close to a fifty fifty game as you can realistically get. I, I feel like. In a divisional matchup, matchup, you just throw out the records, throw out everything. It doesn't matter. It really doesn't. Any team can win on any given day, and I truly believe those games are always a, a, kind of like a dogfight. So I really think that, you know, I, records aside, I mean, they're both 3-7, and seven, so it doesn't really matter. But um, I had taken Washington by a point, but it could go either way, I will admit. Now, um, we were going to save the Ravens and Steelers for – Sunday for with I think it's gonna be Sunday night football that they're gonna be playing. Um, it just got word this morning that it's being postponed due to multiple uh, Ravens players contracting COVID, uh, such as Mark Ingram, uh, J.K. Dobbins, Gus Edwards, um, a few other players. I think I can't think of all of them off the top of my head. But that that is going to be a good game to talk about. Oh yeah, I'm looking forward to it. Um, but moving on to the Chargers and Bills. Um, San Diego. Okay, so wait a second. Is this our last? Is this not 
uh, Thanksgiving anymore? Uh, no, this is Sunday. Okay, okay, okay. Uh, yeah. Uh, Chargers and Bills. Chargers, um, the defense didn't look that good against uh, New York. Um, Frank Gore, 60 yards, which is, I think, his most on the season. And then Joe Flacco uh, throwing for 200 yards and two touchdowns uh, with arguably the worst receiving core in the league. But Justin Herbert looked good again, uh, like he has all year. Uh, oh, absolutely. 366 yards for three touchdowns on amazing completion percentage. I, I, I've said it. I've, I've said it before. I've said it again. Jo- Justin Herbert is the best quarterback out of this draft so far. At least I mean, how he's been playing. Yeah, absolutely. I've definitely been the best quarterback play-wise out of the draft. And I just think it's in, – in, in his last five games uh, as the quarterback for the Chargers, the offense has been above 30 points in four of five of those games. I mean, that's all you can really ask for. I mean, if your offense is scoring 30, you're doing something right. And that has been with the, you know, the absence of Austin Eckler, the starting running back. I mean, they had a lot of admirable fill-ins um, and, you know, guys that stepped up. But this week they will back Austin Eckler. He should – Definitely boost their already awesome offense. So I really, really like the the Chargers offense coming in this one. But one thing I didn't mention in for the last five games is that their defense still hasn't really done much to help them out. And that's what that's the side of the ball where the question marks where the question marks lie for them. And then they're going against Another fantastic quarterback in uh, Josh Allen with the Buffalo Bills. Um, Buffalo coming off a bye week, but the week before, coming off a heartbreaking Hail Mary from Kyler Murray to DeAndre Hopkins. Um, so many memes made off that. DeAndre Hopkins catching in what, quadruple coverage, I think? Yeah, something like that. So this Chargers defense is going to have a lot on their plate. Because Josh Allen is, and that receiving core is miles above what Joe Flacco had in New York. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Josh Allen has just been fantastic. I mean, you said that you touched on it, but I really can't get over it. He's been their most consistent runner, and they are, I'd say, a 70-30, you know, pass-to-run kind of ratio team. So, I mean – him leading their run game is insane, but I think that's one of the places that needs to change. I mean, Josh Allen is too important to your team, I think, to to run him the way that you do. I've just seen too many quarterbacks get banged up like that, and especially for a guy like him. I mean, he's a really, really big guy. He, you know, sometimes thinks he can take a hit, and I mean, it, just any hit on your quarterback that's, uh, you know, un, outside of the pocket and unnecessary is one too many, so I really, really need either one of Zach Moss or Devin Singletary to step up and add some just consistent presence in the backfield and, you know, to, to help take a relieve him a little bit of all the duties and responsibilities that he currently has, because it's just, I think a little bit too much, especially with, I think the talent that both of those guys kind of have, it's been really, really sadly disappointing. The offensive line is definitely not as good in the run game as they are in pass protection, but still, 
I mean, one of those guys has got to make a man miss and, and do something exciting every once in a while, but we haven't really seen it in any consistent role week to week yet. So we're still hoping to see that, but I almost thought it was uh, noteworthy that, you know, it took that kind of insane play to beat this Bills team. Like, I really think that speaks to how good they are. And I know that it, you know, losing is losing. But, I mean, the fact that it had to happen like that, I thought the Bills played a really, really strong game outside of, you know, that final last play. But I think they step back or they get back to it this week and beat the Chargers. Yeah, I, I think this Chargers secondary is going to have a have probably their most difficult game this week because um, Stephon Diggs is leading the league in receiving yards. Um, of course, you have John Brown next to him, and is Zay Jones? No, Zay Jones is not still there. Who's there? Cole Beasley. Cole Beasley, yes. Who has been very underrated this year. Absolutely. He's on my fantasy team, and he's doing me wonders. <laughs> um, but I, I think I think Buffalo is going to walk out of this one. Um, I I can trust this Chargers offense to to put up points. I just can't trust their defense to put them into position to win. Yeah. Because I mean, if you're giving up 28 points to the Jets, that's that's kind of scary. It doesn't bode well for the matchup you get this week. <laughs> I I'd love to see what Justin Herbert could do with a with the defense behind him, but I I just don't think that's going to really happen this year. Yeah, no, I mean, not at this point. They need. I I still think that you know the loss of Derwin James in the beginning of the season is huge. I mean, he's already one of the best safeties in the league. Um, he's been injured at for the second time now. So you hope it's not going to be something that plagues him, but that guy is uber talented and I just want to see him on the field, but they do have other needs that they need to address. And it's far too much to fix in a season. This is an off season and draft kind of a, a thing that you've got to fix. Now, moving on to the battle of the top in the AFC South. We have the Indianapolis Colts and the Tennessee Titans. Who in Indy coming off a a huge win against the against the Green Bay Packers in OT, uh, forcing a fumble. Who was it on? I can't even think who forced who they forced the fumble on. But I know I know it was a rookie that forced the fumble. And then uh, Blackman. Uh, yes, yes, yes. He's been, uh, just while we're on him. I mean, he has been fantastic for them. I think if he had a little bit better numbers, he would be the far and away defensive rookie of the year. But if you watch a single Colts game, the impact that he has is tremendous on this defense. And we're talking about the second best defense in the league so I mean that guy is balling and make sure you take note because he's a stud oh stats wise the Colts have the best defense oh excuse me excuse me not the second best the best <laughs> and it's insane because they don't have that many 
big name players. Like they have, they have, they have DeForest Buckner, they have um, Darius Leonard. But other than that, like the only other big name guy on this team is Justin Houston, but he's 31. Like they don't really have all that much, but they they just work so well together. Have Xavier Rhodes? Ah, uh, yes, yes, yes. Xavier Rhodes. Also, I will say Kenny Moore has been an amazing cornerback this year. One, one of the, one of the better in the league. In the league this year, I mean. All right. As I was saying um, before, we had a little bit of technical difficulties there. Um, you know, Kenny Moore is a nickel cornerback. Guard, you know, guarding these slot wide receivers is kind of becoming a hidden art in the league. And I mean, I've seen multiple guys that you know specialize in that get paid and play just pay huge dividends for the role that, that they play. And for Kenny Moore, he's been the best in the league at doing it this so far this season. Also, I'd like to touch on him having five sacks as a cornerback. I mean, that's that's leading the league in secondary with him and Jamal Adams. Which Good company. Is, which is in, insane to think about. Just a, a cornerback having five sacks. Just I mean, yeah. In, insane. It's a decent number for an interior lineman. <laughs> Much less um, a, a guy on the outside. Exactly. Um, but, like, he's he's just been such a such a playmaker for this defense. Mm-hmm. Like, since, since Malik Hooker went down, I didn't really know who was going to step up and be the leader of the, that secondary. But Kenny Moore has been that. Oh, absolutely. And, I mean, he lets his play do the talking. I mean, him and Blackman and Xavier Rhodes, the secondary is stout. The pass rush is great. Linebacking core is solid. Uh, I mean, excuse me, beyond solid. And so uh, there's nothing not to like on this defense. And then talking about the Titans, continuing to show that they figured out Lamar Jackson. Uh, winning last week in overtime, thirty to twenty-four. Um, Der- Derrick Henry literally carved out an L for them with his game-winning run. Uh, with twenty-eight carries for one hundred thirty-three yards and and the game-winning touchdown. Just this Titans team has also been really, really good. I mean, Absolutely. they're they're continuing off their success from last year and just building off of it. Yeah, they are. They are really, really good. Um, I think you kind of have to not hate, but not be, you know, over ecstatic about their um, recent play. I mean, obviously, you know, they were undefeated. And then in the last five weeks, we've gotten lost to Pittsburgh, lost to Cincinnati. And then, you know, obviously two weeks from now or two weeks ago, they lost to Indianapolis. So this is the second of two matchups. 
Tennessee is obviously going to be looking to bounce back and capitalize on some of the momentum they captured last week versus Baltimore. So uh, this is going to be a very, very good game. And I prom- I, I don't think that this is – either one of these teams are – the ty- maybe Titans, but not so much the Colts that a lot of people have watched this season. So if there's a game that I can recommend this week, it would definitely be this one. I think you're going to get um, – an entire game worth of really, really good football, good defensive play, good. Um, I, I believe the offensive plays that are being made are going to have a um, almost an added bit of, I don't know, just, just an added ability of wow factor because of, you know, the defensive play from both of these teams. So especially for the Colts. So I'm really excited for this one, but I'm taking the Colts in this one. I think that, I think they're going to get it done. I think the big emphasis for them needs to be, A, they got to keep getting the ball into the hands of Michael Pittman Jr. and Zach Pascal. Both those guys have been terrific. I mean, Michael Pittman has come on really, really strong after his injuries. And I think also we got to get, you know, this um, Jonathan – I'm blanking. Oh, Jonathan Taylor, the running back for them. They got to get his situation all figured out. He's been – Riddled with some bad games here recently, so I need him to get back into shape and form that we saw early in the season. So I'm kind of, I guess, I say you could say betting on that for this one, and I'm rolling with the Colts. Also, they got to replicate what they did to stop Ryan Tannehill two weeks ago, holding him to under 150 yards in the TD. I think you can let Derrick Henry run the ball, but I don't. They're not just going to win off Derrick Henry running. Like, if they can figure out how to stop Ryan Tannehill again, I think they can walk away with this pretty easily, like they did two weeks ago. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's going to be up to Ryan Tannehill. He can't have a performance like he had in the last time. And this secondary has got to be starting to strike fear in the hearts of quarterbacks. Now, moving on to Carolina and the Minnesota Vikings. Carolina had – probably one of the the most insane um, QB stories last week with Philip Walker, uh, former XFL quarterback. Just in, insane story behind him and coming out and getting his first ever start in the NFL being a victory and a shutout. Yeah. And I know first glance at his numbers, you'll say, oh, I didn't play that good. If I watch this, I watch the game, and he played really, really well. I could tell you, he yes, he had two interceptions, but if you watched him play, it, you would have thought that it was Teddy Bridgewater. I mean, just there was no change in the play calling. They were just, just as if not more aggressive down the field than I've maybe seen from them this this season. And Walker's deep ball looked great. His intermediate ball looked great. His um, even close range throws looked awesome. I mean, he looked really, really good. Um, but Teddy Bridgewater figures to be back this week. I mean, he was cleared last week, but at game time, they didn't want to risk anything. So he didn't end up going and PJ Walker stepped in and, you know, obviously helped them along with the defense that really nice win there. So that was really positive, but you're getting your quarterback this week. Um, unfortunately, no Christian McCaffrey, that which, you know, that I guess they were kind of all eyeballing this week as his hopeful return, but it's not going to happen this week. So push it back another week. And 
Mike Davis steps in again, and he really, really played well last week. I, I had knocked him for having some bad performances earlier in the season when McCaffrey was out, but I, I have to admit he, he did play really, really well last week and was, really helped to take some of that pressure off of P.J. Walker when he was playing. So I really like that, but I have to give some love to this defense. I mean, we can't witness a shutout and not show love to the defense. Two guys I have to show some love to. Brian Burns is the – let me get – think about this. I don't think I'm crazy. Uh, well, I won't say it just because there's a guy out there named Nick Bosa, but one of the best sophomore uh, pass rushers in the league. He is absolutely fantastic. He's really coming into his own. Uh, I think he's a perfect fit in Carolina. It gives them absolutely what they need, and he's been getting at quarterbacks like it's his job. I mean, it is, but come on. It's been insane. He's getting there at a rate that a few guys in the league can compete with. And another guy at safety, rookie Jeremy Chin. Oh, my goodness. You want to talk about Blackman and the effect that he's had on that defense and the fact that it may not be so statistical, but if you watch the game, how how big he is for them. And Jeremy Chin is the exact same kind of, you know, impact player. Um if you watch a single um, Panthers game, you will notice him on the defensive side of the ball. He's always near the ball, always making plays. And, I mean, he just plays like his feet are on fire. And they probably are pretty close to getting on fire the way he moves around the field. Also, I want to bring up Brian Burns. Did win NFC Defense Player of the Week. Um, he he has been playing out of his mind. Mm-hmm. Like, uh, two sacks in this game. Um, I think he has – how many staffs did he have on this season? Uh, where are stats? Right. He has – he does only have five on the season, but being a second-year player as a linebacker, that's not terrible. No, no, no. Yeah, and, and I'd say that the rush rates are would look better. Uh, and I know for a fact they look better because watching the game, he's constantly in the backfield and it doesn't result in the sacks all the time. But I mean, he's always back there disrupting things and, and making life hard for the quarterback. Yeah. And then talking on the Vikings, heartbreaking loss. But can we just talk about Adam Thielen's catch for a second? Yeah. Oh, my God. That th- This was the lone – Reason why when you said that CD's Lamb was so insane, that I hesitated a little bit because that was absolutely stellar. I mean, like that that catch reminds me of like the Santonio Holmes Super Bowl catch in a way. Yeah. Right now, instead of it, one hand. instead of it being to the side, it's over your shoulder. Mm-hmm. Like people get on Adam Thielen for him not being the fastest, but. Mike, he is one of the best possession receivers in the league. Oh, yeah. And I, I I don't really like the fact that people don't like his speed. I think he's a guy – I mean, yeah, he's not a traditional straight-up burner, but he's got more than enough speed to succeed in, at the wide receiver position. And, I mean, especially when you can win with other things like route running and your, you know, really good body control and hands – you can afford to, you know, not be the fastest guy on the field. So, I mean, his speed doesn't, I don't think, holds him, hold him back at all. And uh, all of his other traits help him out a whole lot. But, I mean, you want to tell where where else do we go on this offense? I mean, 
they mm-hmm. arguably have the top performing running back. I mean, also probably the top performing rookie offensive player, not named Justin Herbert, but keeping it in the Justin family and Justin Jefferson. I mean, he's been so fantastic for him. I mean, this offense has a lot of bright spots um, and a lot of really, really talented playmakers um, for them. It's, like you said, a similar story for a lot of teams in the league. Sadly, the defense can't hold up to their end of the bargain. Yeah, if, if this team had a had a above average defense, I I don't even know what what this team would be. Scary. And then Dalvin Cook about to break his um his highest rushing yards in in a season. Already at a thousand sixty nine yards in just nine games, which if he was he's averaging almost one hundred twenty yards a game, which is at bonkers. Yeah, I, I mean, if he played all sixteen games, I could see him maybe hitting two thousand. I mean, yeah, he's only five yards under that average that you need to have to get it. I mean. He really, really could have, and it's – I mean, just looking at his numbers, I'm almost positive it's like a 1,000-some-odd yards and 13 touchdowns. I mean, good gosh, he's been so, so good for them. Like, he's 200 yards above the next and the next rushing yard leader. Jeez. Two – oh, never mind. Derrick Henry's ahead of him by, by 10 yards, and Derrick Henry's played the entire season. But the next guy – and below him is James Robinson at 762. Wow. That's a drop. Like, Dalvin Cook has by far been the best running back in the league. Like, Derrick Henry might have more yards. But, oh. Imagine I, where Cook would be had he not missed, what, three games? Yeah. It's, yeah. And, like, uh, Derrick Henry has nine rushing touchdowns. With Dalvin Cook having two less games, he has thirteen. Yeah, I mean that, and that number alone is good for seasons total. And I mean, we're in week twelve. I am very much so looking forward to him. But I, I one thing for them, uh, and they do a good job of it, better than a lot of teams by not getting away from the run game when they fall down necessarily, but. Their defense still has to, you know, like I said, hold their end of the bargain at some point and, you know, help just let Dalvin Cook ice the game. I mean, Derrick Henry gets so many rushing yards because the Titans will just go up and he'll just ice for a whole quarter. And Dalvin Cook, it feels like he's running to get you back into the game. So um, it's definitely a difference in their, their styles. And I would definitely agree with you. Dalvin Cook has been the best running back in the league this year. Um, I I can honestly see Minnesota Minnesota walking out with this game, um, if Kirk Cousin plays how he did last week and Dalvin Cook keeps up his his amazing season, and if if Adam Thielen and Justin Jefferson keep being a a one two punch for this this receiving core, it's just got to be this defense that that turns a little bit around. Yeah, you you have to hope that it, it can at some point, and I I just don't really know. I've been really really impressed by the Panthers this season. Um, the the 
combination of Matt Rule and Joe Brady and, and what they're doing over there, I can absolutely see it in the offensive game plan and scheme. And I don't think that they have all the pieces in it yet that they want. And I mean, obviously the most, I guess, you know, attractive piece in the whole equation is Christian McCaffrey, no sus, but just as a player standpoint, he's, you know, got to be the most talented player on the team. So you've been, and you've been without him for a majority of it. So, I mean, just the things that they've done and it just as a whole, it's been so insane and uh, I couldn't love it more. And for that reason alone, I'm going with the Panthers, but like you said, I would not be surprised at all if the Vikings got this game. I mean, a turn, a one single turnover in this one in, in crunch time, and you talk about a difference maker. So, I will. I am going to go with the Panthers just because I think they've they've played better and more difficult situations. Uh, first game I think of is that that Chiefs game that they only lost by two in. Mm-hmm. Um, I just, especially since Mike Davis has been a a very good backup running back to a guy like Christian McCaffrey and Z completely tore up that that uh, Minnesota front seven Um, and I think uh, right now the Panthers have a little bit better of an offensive line than the Cowboys which is weird to say but the Cowboys are so beat up on that that offensive line um I think Mike Davis is going to have a great game here. I think Teddy B is going to come back and just completely tear up this this Minnesota defense. So I, I got the Panthers in this one. I'm rolling with the Panthers as well. Now, moving on to the Browns and the Jags. Um, ooh, okay. Uh Let's see if the the Baker Mayfield uh, cycle continues, or it, it's kind of slowed down a little bit. He's had three kind of bad games in a row, um, but the the Browns coming off a a very close win against um, a a terrible. Eh, I, I don't know what to call the NFC East teams anymore because all of them are terrible. Um, I mean, no, I couldn't agree with you more. Probably the worst like team in the division. Coming off a, a, a too close of a win against the Eagles, uh, twenty-two to seventeen. Um, Nick Chubb had a fantastic game, though. Oh yeah. Uh, twenty for one fourteen, almost a six yard per carry average. Uh, now Kadero Hodge. I don't know who this guy is or where he came from, but okay. Um, his first ever game, uh, 73 yards. Uh, Rashard Higgins has, has been a pretty good running or pretty good receiver for them this entire year. Uh, three for 65, but it, it's this defense that really kept them in it. I mean, an interception for Denzel Ward an interception for Sanon Tataki who I believe almost took it to the house, didn't he? He did. He, did. he housed it. He housed it. Which it, it's insane. Um, but barely winning against an NFC East team at this point just shows worry. Yeah. But then you have the Jacksonville Jaguars who got absolutely murdered by the, by the Pittsburgh Steelers. Yeah. And I don't think there was an – other expected outcome 
but just the way it happened was or Jake one. Yeah, I feel so bad for that man. Four interceptions. Oh. Yeah. It's it just not a good day. And, I mean, you look at it, and the Jaguars are 1-9, and they don't pose much hope. Um, even if, I mean, they could get Minshew back this week, but I'm kind of doubting it. They He's listed as questionable, but I can't understand how a guy who has it two weeks ago couldn't pick up a football is ready to go. But we'll see. I mean, maybe he's just an Iron Man. But we'll we'll figure it out. But either way, it's just not a favorable matchup. And I mean, this Brown the Browns defense is their calling card. That and their run game has gotten them to where they're at. And if they can figure out how to you know consistently get a solid production from Baker Mayfield, they could be a really strong team. But until that point, uh, I'm kind of putting half them in my pretender category. Um, I absolutely love Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt for them. They are huge. But it just feels like, you know, I, I like this defense a lot, but four weeks without Denzel Ward, it's not going to, you know, hurt you yet in this game. But looking down the line, it it's going to have some ramifications. So the offense has got to be good in this one, but it shouldn't even really matter that much. Uh, I'm rolling with the Browns by – Oh, yeah. This, this Jags defense has been terrible all year. Their offense has looked good at points, um, but they haven't had a win since the first game of the season. And even then, I think that game was a fluke. Yeah. Because I was against a, a Colts team that just added Phillip Rivers and was still getting acclimated to the system. But I, the Browns are going to – Nick Chubb's going to just kill this defense. Yeah. It's gonna him, him and Kareem Hunt are going to – combined for like 250 uh, it would not surprise it's, me it's not even gonna, it's not even gonna be funny if you have nick chubb or kareem hunt on your fantasy team please start them don't be dumb um but moving on to the giants and the Bengals, i feel so bad for Bengals fans um joe burrow out for the year with the 20 ACO. i i feel so bad you you, you draft Joe Burrow with the first overall pick, and he goes down with one of the worst injuries in the NFL. Just, I I don't even know what to say. Yeah. Um, it's not even, you know, just the injury. It's the ACL, MCL, structural damage. I mean – Sounding very similar to something that we saw from or we didn't see but heard of from a guy like Teddy Bridgewater. I mean, this is I just I think to get that this out there, we have to like, you know, kind of alert people to the fact that this could be a a, a two year kind of a thing. I mean, it sounds that bad. Um, yeah, I, I wish the absolute best for him. I feel so bad for him. I mean, you always want to see, you know, the best players on the field and you always want them to be healthy but obviously it doesn't work that easy but um yeah that one definitely hurt just as a football fan in general and I mean especially for also kind of the organization in the Bengals I mean they weren't really playing for much um but 
it, you know, getting your quarterback on the field is now their number one priority. I I think they should just tank the rest of the season. And oh, absolutely. I don't think it's going to be that difficult going up against the, the Giants this week. I mean, the Giants have looked pretty good the last few weeks. Um, yeah. No, yeah, I, I'd agree with you. I really like the play from the Giants, and in particular, Daniel Jones. Uh, I'm not the biggest Daniel Jones fan, but I am man enough to admit when he plays good, and he's put together two or almost three weeks of good play, and it's starting to look like he – you know, you can't give up on him just yet. I mean, almost beating the, the Buccaneers, uh, beating the, the beating Washington, and then basically murdering the Eagles, um, especially on the ground. Yeah. Like, he hasn't been playing bad. And then you're going against a Bengals team who is, who's just down in the dumps right now. Um, have Ryan Finley as their starting quarterback. They're probably just going to tank the rest of the year. I think it's gonna, this is a good chance for this defense to or this this team to turn things around and make a push for the for the playoffs, which is weird to say for a three and seven team. Yeah, I mean they're they're second in the division and they'd be first if the Eagles didn't tie with the Bengals. Yep. And it's it's insane to just think about that, but I I think the Giants are going to easily walk away with this one. I the Bengals really should just just sit down and really continue this rebuild. Uh, yeah, I absolutely agree. I mean, now given the nature of this injury, I think it'd be an awesome time to get yourself in the top five of the draft. Pick a guy like Penny Sewell out of uh, Oregon, the far and away best offensive tackle in the draft. Or if you if he's off the board, maybe a Christian Darisaw out of Virginia Tech. But um, yeah, because I mean, keeping Burrow on his feet and on the field is the biggest priority for them, and they have needs they need to address, and that you know, should be addressed by, like you said, tanking. So I think it starts here with the win for the Giants. Yes, it does. Now moving on to the Cardinals and the C- – or not the Seahawks, the Cardinals and the Patriots. Um, first I want to talk about uh, that Cardinals and Seahawks game from last year. Um, Kyler Murray, of course, looked looked – Good, uh, but that run game just couldn't get anything going. Yeah. I mean, a 2.6 uh, per carry average for Kenyon Drake. And then Chase Edmond just didn't get the ball enough. And then Kyler Murray was just completely shut down in the run game. Yeah, um, he's, like you said, Kyler Murray is the dynamic guy for them, basically, in their own game, uh, unfortunately, based off of, you know, what they've gotten from Kenny and Drake at this point. I mean, did have the touchdown, but, I mean, at what cost a two-yard little plunge? I mean, you kept right around your average. So, either way, though, it's just is becoming apparent that, you know, Murray can't do it all alone. 
and he's going to need some help and it's going to have to be a little bit more than just DeAndre Hopkins and the odd game from Christian Kirk. So, I mean, I think just for the Cardinals is just the consistency level. They feel so inconsistent from week to week. We'll see the most insane Hail Mary. And then we see this. I mean, it, it was a kind of a must win for the Seahawks also on a little bit of a skid, but uh, I think they bounce back here, but you've got to see a little bit of worry. Oh yeah, totally. <coughs> My bad. Bless you, um, bless you. This, this Patriots team um, just has not looked great all year. Um, the worst the Patriots team has looked in two decades. Yep. Which is in, insane. Um, but, I mean, they almost come out with a win over the Texans. Cam Newton had his best game by far through the air, uh, yeah. 26 or 40 with 365, but still only one touchdown. I mean, he he's four and seven or four to seven touchdown to interception ratio, but he has been doing really good on the ground. I will say yeah. that. Um, probably the the most efficient running quarterback in the in the league right now with nine rushing touchdowns. Yeah, um, I think obviously we have to put some blame on Cam Newton, but I'm really glad you touched on the fact that we saw a really good performance from him last week. The touchdown production really wasn't there through the air, but I really liked his production. I mean, we're starting to see that maybe, you know, their wide receiver covered it might not be as bared as we thought it was. I mean, we always knew about Nike Harry. I mean, he did receive eight targets last week. Um, and the Patriots are in a position where they need to figure out what he can do, f- and they need to figure it out fast um, because, you know, they've had some better performances from guys like Demir Baird and Jacoby Myers. But still, in this league right now, it's essentially a three-receiver league. I mean, you've got to have three guys that can get it done. And sadly, at this point, Nike O'Hare is the one that's looking from the outside in. So he they have to figure out if he can be that guy for them. I mean, I think he's a, at least a bona fide, you know, kind of really, really solid red zone kind of a target. But we ha- based off of his injuries and his poor play when he has been on the field, we haven't gotten to see it yet. So I, I really think that they need to, you know, keep giving him the targets and seeing what they can get because I really think for a guy like that, it might just be, you know, a, a good game or – you know, start to putting together a string of a couple good games that could go a long way for him. And, and that's something that the Patriots are going to need because Demir Bird and Jacoby Myers are fine for now. But I think ultimately in the long run, Nikeel Harry probably offers you the most upside and you've got to hope that you can tap into it. I mean, he was your first round draft pick just two years ago. Mm-hmm. I can't even imagine what they would have done with DK Metcalf. So can... 31 other teams in the NFL, man. <laughs> in two rounds at yeah. that. But, I mean, if you let a, a receiving core of Brandon Cooks, uh, Randall Cobb, a, a team like that just dominate you through the air, I can't even imagine what this secondary is going to think when they have DeAndre Hopkins, Larry Fitz, and Christian Kirk rolling the town. Yeah, I mean, it's – uh, one good thing, I guess, that we can say from this game, I that I, or at least that I am looking forward to, is I, I'm intrigued a lot by the matchup of Stefan Gilmore 
and DeAndre Hopkins. Um, obviously, Gilmore was defensive player of the year last year. Absolutely fantastic. But uh, injuries and a little bit of – I don't even want to say poor play, but just kind of getting sunned a little bit by DK Metcalf is <laughs> – kind of put the world on edge about, um, you know, how he's really going to come out and perform. But, I mean, he was asked in a video conference about, you know, where he's going to be lining up. And he asked uh, or told the reporter, what do you think? So, I mean, all signs indicate that we're going to get the matchup between him and Hopkins. And, you know, I still think that both of them are probably one and one. At their position, I mean, it's both of them are debatable, but I mean, they're at least two of the best at their position for sure. So that is definitely a really, really nice matchup to watch, and it should be exciting. I have the Cardinals in this, and I'm rolling with you, Cardinals by a touchdown. Um, now the Dolphins and the Jets. Um, Dolphins coming off a a heartbreaking victory or a heartbreaking loss last week to the Denver Broncos. Um, it, it was really that run game. Melvin Gordon had a fantastic game along with Phil Lindsley. Yes, they did. And then Tua just – they did put in Ryan Fitzpatrick. Um, but really that run game that they've really been relying on uh, didn't get much going, and this defense just – could not stop Melvin Gordon and Philip Lindsley. No, they could not. And it, it was really, really kind of weird to me because uh, I thought the defense was their calling card, really. Um, we even saw it in the first couple of games that uh, Tua came in and played. Uh, the defense did it. Went a long way in helping him. I could remember a couple of defensive touchdowns, for, at least for sure. So, um, But so to have that kind of a performance was a little bit eye-opening for them. But um. I, for one, I want to touch on the benching of Tua, and I want to say that I absolutely loved it. I think that Tua is, for one, I've been so impressed by Tua, everything else other than football. Like, obviously, I've been impressed by the football aspect, but I just, I've been really impressed by his actions off the field, watching him in press conferences, just hearing what he has to say, um, you know, seeing the images of, you know, him wearing the Hawaiian shirt for, um, you know, his culture, essentially, um, to his first game that he was starting, um, revisiting the field after his first win. I mean, just those kind of things are, uh, you can tell that this guy really, really cares about the game. And I think that, you know, the decision to bench him is going to have the exact effect that, you know, the coaching staff is hoping that it's going to say, you know, he's got his head on the right way. I think he knows that, you know, he wasn't playing well. And when you play like that, we have other options and, you know, we will explore them. And I think it's going to light the fire just like they intend. And I really like a bounce back performance from Tungvalu this week. Now, I think, I don't know if they're completely starting Ryan Fitzpatrick. Are they starting him this week or? No, 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 no. Um, Tua will remain the starter. Okay. Yeah. Um, Either way, either quarterback would be able to have a fantastic game against this Jets defense. Yeah. I think the Jets are going to continue their tank no matter what. There's there's not a single game I will pick the Jets in, especially a game like this. 
where you expect a kind of, or at least for me, especially in a game where I kind of expect, you know, a bounce back performance from a guy like Tua. Yeah. Sounds like we're both rolling with the Dolphins this one. Yep. Now moving on to the Raiders and the Falcons. Um, Las Vegas coming off a heartbreaking loss last week against the Kansas City Chiefs on a game-running drive from the best quarterback in the NFL. And just leaving Travis Kelsey wide open. But Clyde Edwards-Alaire took over that game. Le'Veon Bell got his first-ever touchdown to the Chiefs. Just a wealth of riches. I mean, how do would you like to be beaten? Should just be the question that people ask themselves before they play the Chiefs. I mean, if coming into any, you know, next week analysis, if you, the team that I'm about to break down lost to the Chiefs, I'm putting absolutely no stock in that because welcome to the club. <laughs> I mean, you know what I'm saying? I mean, the Raiders were definitely um, – especially even in a worse spot, probably, I mean, trying to sweep the Chiefs on the season, that's almost unheard of. So, I mean, good luck, but I still did like their performance. I mean, they were right there with the Chiefs the whole time. And it, like you said, it took that final drive from, you know, what we're both willing to say is the best quarterback in the NFL um, in Patrick Mahomes. So if that's what it takes, uh, you're definitely doing something right, and I have to show Derek Carson love. He may not have gotten the win, but damn, did he look impressive. Um, and he has been impressive ever since the uh, the huge disappointment to the Bucks. And I, I think that, especially if you look up the makeup of their schedule so far, I definitely think you can tell that's kind of a, a turning point for them and help them get back on track. And uh, also the Raiders have quietly revived Nelson Aguilar's career and uh, the combination of runners that they have a headline by Josh Jacobs. Um, it's been a little inconsistent, but I mean, you know what they are all, what they're capable of giving you in every single game, especially talking about a game versus this Falcons defense. And then you have Darren Waller who don't at me is the second best tight end playing right now. I don't care what you want to say, but I mean, the Falcons just, have also yet to kind of prove to me that their offense can outpace what their defense gives up. Um, we've seen, you know, in the last couple of weeks, that they've been able to get that final stop, which I said is a, a big ability earlier when we were talking about the Cowboys for bad defenses to have, but I, I can't trust that versus this Raiders offense. I mean, their cars looked way too good. This uh, the offense as a whole. And I, I believe the deep, the Raiders defense is, Going to pose some problems for this Falcons offense, which is star-studded, but likely without Julio's or potentially without Julio, should I say. So I'm rolling with the Raiders in this one by 10 points. Oh, yeah. The the Raiders are going to easily walk away with this one. I mean, the Falcons only scoring field goals last week against the Saints. And I think the, the Raiders have a much better defense than that Saints team. Um, moving on to who is next? Saints have, Broncos. Ah, yes, yes, yes. Broncos. Cool. Okay. Coming off a huge win last week, um, spearheaded by the, the two-headed rushing attack in Melvin Gordon and Phil Flinsley up against a, a very good Saints team, um, coming off back-to-back wins. Uh, they are 
they have not lost a game since the Packers, and that was uh, November 27th. So they are one, they're on a six game winning streak. And if I remember correctly, everybody was kind of freaking out about the Saints at that point in time. Um, you know, they were what, two and two? Yep. And now yeah. eight and two. Eight and two. And I'm almost positive I remember saying back then in that podcast that it was so weird based off of just the talent alone on this team. I think this is one of the few teams that can compete with like the Steelers and the Chiefs of the world just talent wise. It is so, so strong. So for them, I mean, it's it, it, it's definitely possible. But, you know, the Drew Brees injury last week was the first week we saw Taysom Hill under center. Um, they decided to move away from a guy in Jameis Winston and all reports indicated that it was a highly debated decision within the team. So I, I can't imagine what that kind of dysfunction might look like on the inside, but it did not creep into their play on the field last week. And Taysom Hill really, really filled in admirably. I didn't love his, his performance through, through the air in that one, but I, I don't think that he's even in the league because of his passing game. I think he's in the league because of what I said, how admirable his effort really is. I mean, the guy just works. And, you know, he, he knows he may not be able to, you know, drop it right in there like a guy like Drew, like his, you know, teammate Drew Brees can. But he does offer a dynamic ability that Brees simply cannot at 41 or 42, however old he is. And, I mean, his two rushing touchdowns proved to be huge last week. So, for that, I did really like that, but it does kind of worry me if Taysom Hill is put in a position to have to make a game-winning drive or something like that during this streak. I'm not sure if it's going to have to happen here versus the Broncos. I'd like to hope. I, I think the Broncos are a team that is potentially on the rise. I've seen some good performances from them lately, um, but it's still, to me, for them, is on Drew Locke. Um, you said it, you know, the two-headed rushing attack – is working really, really well, and they're doing exactly what I'm sure Melvin Gordon was signed to do and take that pressure off Drew Locke. But um, he's in a position like a guy like Sam Darnold. Um, if he figures to be part of the equation for the Broncos moving forward, he's going to have to prove it. And this is a kind of a prover year. I mean, offensively, he's got everything around him. So even if the wins aren't there, you just hope or you're waiting to see some solid and good performances that he can build on. But We've yet to seen it really in a back-to-back -back kind of uh, performance way. So we're still waiting on it. But I'm rolling with the Saints in this one. I think it'll be close. I don't know why, but for some reason I do. But I think the Saints win it by a field goal. I will say I feel bad for Taysom Hill owners, uh, them taking away his tight end eligibility. Oh, my gosh. I had to drop him because of that. <laughs> Only being able to play quarterback now. Um <laughs> But he he did play very well last week. I would like him to see like to see him get a few touchdowns through the air, considering he he is a QB. But I mean, him him getting touchdowns on the ground isn't terrible. It doesn't really use utilize probably one of their better players in Michael Thomas. But who I well, just since you said it, I just want to touch on it real quick. Who did have a huge game last week, even with Taysom oh, Hill. Yeah. The first really, really solid performance we've seen from him. So that's a, a really good point for him to, like I said, build on. It's a lot of building going on this week around the league. Yes, it is. But I think the Saints can walk away with this one. 
I you think you see it being close or you see it being a runaway. If if Drew Locke can play like he did earlier in the season, then yeah. But if if he plays how he's played the past like three weeks, then the Saints can run away with this one. I agree with you. I agree with you. Now the 49ers and the Rams. Um Los Angeles coming off a huge, huge win over the Bucks. Um, getting under Tom Brady's skin, um, just completely stopping Ronald Jones and Leonard Fournette. Um, basically, just n- not having Chris Godwin or Mike Evans do anything. Same thing with Antonio Brown. Just this this defense has been fantastic all year, um, and then Jared Goff has been playing pretty well. Absolutely. I really, really like to play from Jared Goff. I don't think that Jared Goff is the most insanely talented quarterback, but I definitely think that he's a perfect kind of a quarterback to succeed in the setting that he's in right now. And I've said it a couple of times this year, but I'm just going to say it again. I was wrong about the Rams. I really was. I underestimated Sean McVay um, and what he's capable of and just this roster in general. Um, I look at myself in the past now and I think I'm kind of crazy for counting this team out but man I mean they so obviously had a chance I mean you talk about Cooper Cup and Robert Woods probably two of them both of them are two of the most underrated wide receivers in the league and both of them are underrated because they do so much other than just catch the ball I mean I watched last week both of them are on the game last week I watched they both are phenomenal Ooh. <clears throat> Excuse me. Thank you. Um, they're both phenomenal blockers, unselfish kind of guys. I really don't think that they care which one of them gets the ball, um, which is a perfect, you know, sit- kind of situation. <clears throat> oh, the third one snuck up on me. Gosh, dang. But either way, I'm going to wrap it up here. Uh, they have two fantastic uh, wide receivers that make his life a lot easier. Also, this defense still has been without Aaron Donald. And for how well they are able to disrupt Tom Brady without having the best defense alignment in the league. I thought he was healthy. No, he didn't play last week. Oh, wow. Yeah, so going into this week, having Aaron Donald most likely against this this battered, beat-down 49ers team. Uh, it's just kind of like a situation of kicking a dog when it's down. I mean, you talk about two teams on the opposite end of the spectrum. I mean, the 49ers, you can't hate anything about them. I mean, they have just gotten the short end of the stick when it comes to injuries this year. I mean, we've seen it with a, a few teams around the league, but definitely I'd say the hardest for the 49ers, it just feels like they're hurt and hurt like throughout their depth chart at every position almost. So you can't help but feel bad for them. But again, like I said, I do think the Niners have a chance. It is a divisional matchup, and like I said earlier, you can't ever, you know, count anyone out. And they do figure to potentially get back Debo Samuel and Tevin Coleman this week. So that would be two, you know, big additions back to their team and two guys that can really help, you know, make Nick Mullins' life a little easier. So I don't think it is going to be that much easier playing against this defense, but – I would say that, you know, if the 49ers defense could get a turnover or two, 
a, something like that or just a big play on special teams or even scoring on defense, they could pull this one out. It, it's going to take a lot for them to pull it out, though. Yeah. It's going to have to be a lot of mistakes from golf. I'd agree with you. And I, I am rolling with the Rams, but it just – I don't know. My dad always told it to me when I was young to just never count out any team in a divisional matchup. Oh, and I did look. Aaron Donald is active for this week, so that's going to be rough for this 49ers offensive line. Yes, it is. Um, now the Chiefs and the Buccaneers. Um, I just want to come out and say it. I think the Chiefs are going to just murder this Buccaneers secondary. It's, well, it's not yeah. even, even going to be funny. Um, if, got, if you have two, two receivers like Cooper Cup and Robert Woods get almost a combined 300 yards on you, you have McCole Hardman. Uh, I don't think Sammy Watkins is back yet, but he, he might. He's questionable. This, he might come back this week. So if you have Tyree Kill, McCole Hardman, Travis Kelsey, and Sammy Watkins all on you, it's cool. Yeah. It's going to be a rough, rough day for this for this Bucks team. And I, I, well, another thing about it I just want to touch on real quick, the – Buccaneers have three players on their offensive line questionable. Uh, and two of them are interior offensive linemen in AQ Shipley and Ali Marpet. And Ali Marpet is, first of all, just one of the best offensive guards in the entire league. And he's just a really, really solid guy, has been for his entire career. And so I'm trying to think, can I think of anybody for the Chiefs who plays on the interior defensive line that's really, really talented. And a guy comes to mind named Chris Jones. Oh, yeah. And it that sounds like a big point of emphasis. If those guys can't go, that could be really, really bad for them because I really do like Chris Jones. I think he's one of the best interior rushers. I'm really, really get, glad he got paid because it's kind of weird, but I feel like playing for the Chiefs almost kind of underrates him because of how good their offense is by default. But he's as good as it gets inside, so – I mean, Tom Brady's life could look like hell if he's just being chased all game long by Chris Jones. And if we talk about a chase, no matter who it is, Tom Brady doesn't stand a chance. So that could be potentially problematic. And then if you're looking at this, how how easily their, the Bucks' run game was shut down last week, the, can't, the Chiefs shut down Josh Jacobs to 55 yards. Yeah. And Josh Jacobs is a, a top five running back in the league. Like, I'm, I'm no no discredit to, to Ronald Jones. He's played fantastically. But Josh Jacobs is, is one of the best running backs in the league. And if Ronald Jones only got 24 yards against this Rams defense who didn't have the best defensive player, arguably the best defense player in the league, and maybe could even be, be one of – it could be up there with the best defense players of all time when he retires. It's going to be very, very bad. Yeah. And I'm almost starting to believe that it's safe to say that the whole, at least until this point, and I know it's really, really early to try and say this, but thus far, the Antonio Brown experiment has not really panned out. 
in the way that I think that the Tampa Bay Buccaneers had hoped it would. First of all, I think, if anything, it's kind of hindered them because, for one, his timeline and Chris Godwin getting healthy and Chris Godwin's timeline for getting healthy essentially lined up perfectly. So they both kind of came in at the same time. And while Godwin has been absolutely fantastic and I wish they would throw to him more, you've got Antonio Brown, who they seem – you know, super set on just getting him as many like five yard outs, slants, all, all these throws to, devoted to trying to get the ball in his hands when you got your second best playmaker, or I, I would even say Godwin is a better playmaker than Mike Evans. I, a lot of people will not like that decision or that take, but this is hot takes from the Berg. So I, I don't really care. So I, I'd be trying to get the ball into his hands and it should definitely be a point of emphasis for them. But the Antonio Brown thing has got to take a turn in one direction or the other. I think, you know, the usage he's getting and the performance that he's, you know, getting out of that, that, you know, the targets and receptions, it isn't really what it should be. So I think something needs to be figured out in that regards for the Tampa Bay offense. Oh yeah, for sure. Um, I, I, at the beginning, I, I somewhat liked the Antonio Brown sign just to be able to give them another weapon since Chris Godwin was injured. But now that Chris Godwin's back, it's kind of it's kind of clogging up that receiving core because you already had two fantastic receivers and, and Chris Godwin and Mike Evans. And honestly, now, I hate to cut you off here, but just I want I want to ask you this: Would you not like Scotty Miller? better in the slot than Antonio Brown. I just oh, no, think that the dynamic speed that he offers is something that Antonio Brown is a fantastic route runner and it has good speed, but Scotty Miller is so fast. I can't believe it. And I just think he's a better, you know, a kind of different kind of threat in their offense than Antonio Brown is at this point. Antonio Brown is not meant to be a slot receiver. That's the thing. And yeah. that's where they're, that's where they're putting him, which it does. It doesn't fit his mold. He's that outside threat that can just – or used to be able to just burn people down the edge. But he, he's 32 now and doesn't really have the speed he did when he was in Pittsburgh. And it is apparent when watching the games, you know. Because, I mean, I don't know if, about you, but I definitely can tell that he looks like he's at least lost a, a step. Um, But this – it I don't even think it's – Kansas City is going to walk away with this one. Yeah, I mean, we're both rolling with the same team in this one. I mean, the best team in the league right now, I said it. Um, I'm really high on the Steelers, but Kansas City's just got too much going for them. I mean, they're too talented at almost every position. And I really can't figure out how you kind of handle this offense without praying that they give the ball away because it seems like that's the only way to get the ball out of their hands. Now, talking about the Steelers, now we got the Ravens and Steelers. Um, Pittsburgh coming off a huge win against Jacksonville. I just I don't know how to feel about the Steelers team still. They haven't been super super impressive to me. Like, yeah. yeah, they're ten and zero, but they have one of the easiest schedules in the NFL. They play the entire NFC East. They. They played the Broncos. They played the Texans. They, like, I I can't lie. I think the N- the AFC North has been one of the easier divisions. 
Because um, it has the Browns, who have been frauds this entire year. And then the Ravens, Lamar is finally getting figured out. And then you have the Bengals. I'm not saying it's the easiest. I just think it's been easier than other divisions, especially in the AFC. Yeah. I, I definitely see what you're saying here. And for one, I just want to say, I, I think that the decision by the NFL to move this game back, I, I to me, it only really helps the Ravens because the Ravens oh, yeah. were the team that were screwed by this Thursday game. I mean, with the COVID and I mean, they, they still likely won't get anyone back or I mean, definitely won't get anyone back who's positive for COVID, but any contact tracing with the, with the negative tests, now you have time to get them back this week. So, it's going to look like a, a more a little bit closer to the actual Ravens roster. I would have to say on Sunday, as long as, you know, you have to hope that not every one of them guys got COVID. I mean, that would just be absolutely awful, but um, you have to think that, you know, they'll get some of these guys back. And so to, I'm kind of in the same boat with you. I mean, this is a Steelers team that um, obviously they're 10 and 0 and I do put them to me. They're still in the, my top three, I guess, like power rankings or whatever you'd say in the NFL. But um, I do think that there's some potential for concern. I mean, if the Ravens are able to get healthy or just even get some players back like a Dobbins or an Ingram, that would be huge for them. Gus Edwards, they, they obviously need a running back for sure, but um, it would be really, really big for them. But, like I said, I'm going to say it one more time. Divisional matchups can go either way. And for that reason in this one, I'm rolling with the Ravens. I still am buying in on the Ravens. I need to see the the connection between Lamar and his outside receivers get better because that's really been missing from this team. And in particular, Hollywood Brown, I mean, to me, he has game-breaking ability that only Lamar offers on their entire roster. And so you have to make getting the ball into his hands a part of your game plan and a big part if you want to see some good success. So I think that's a point of emphasis. But for all the reasons I said, I think I'm talking myself into the Ravens, and that's who I'm going to go with in this divisional battle. Oh, I, I think Baltimore is going to walk away at this one, um, especially if they get even run running back back or running back in the backfield, especially if they get J.K. Dobbins back. I mean, in, in their first matchup with the Steelers, which was, I'm pretty sure, J.K.'s first official start, he had 100 yards. Yeah. And against and he, a Steelers defense that, I mean, that's the one part that I have absolutely no questions about is that defense. I mean, I do think they've taken a half step back without Devin Bush, but Williamson has filled in admirably. And, I mean, they proved it last week. They do turn – force turnovers and get to the quarterback and just pose problems. But that was versus a one and nine Jaguars team. And this is versus, this is versus the Ravens. So uh, I think it'll be a good game, but we're both rolling with the Ravens in this one. It's all going to, it's going to fall on Lamar. If, if Lamar can be that playmaker that he was last year, uh, get back into MVP form for this game. It's, it's going to go in the Ravens favor. It's just it's all gonna fall on him if he can if he can make those throws to Hollywood Brown make the right reads, then they can walk away with this. Absolutely. Um. Now another divisional matchup: the Chicago Bears and the Green Bay Packers. Um, Chicago has not won a game since that that Buccaneers game. 
So they were yeah. five and they were five and one in their five and five. Wow. Which just what a fall off. Mm-hmm. And Nick Foles has not done them any favors. Yeah. I mean, absolutely. Can we – I am not any bigger of a Trubisky guy, and I think even you might say I, I'd probably fall closer on the side of the fence of being a Trubisky hater, but to me at some point you almost got to think about going back on the decision you made. I you mean, Nick Foles – shot if they're five and five. It's like just, just give them a chance. I mean, yeah, the, it, the only thing that matters in football is winning. I mean, if you're not playing football to win first and foremost, you shouldn't be playing the game. And the one thing that I will say about Trubisky, when he was at the helm for the Bears, they did a better job of winning. And I don't know if I can necessarily tell you how, but I even saw some clutch performances at the end of games at the beginning of the season from from that guy. So I don't know what it's going to take to, you know, not – allow Foles to play. I mean, he is questionable this week, but I'm looking at the injury chart and so is Trubisky. So, I mean, they have Tyler Bray most likely. I, I mean, I don't know what to make of it. I was talking earlier about the, the divisional thing, throw it out in this one. I, I don't see any way that the bears win this one. Just you, you, you're only two games out of the wild card spot from seven and three teams and seven, and four teams, like the bucks and the, and the Seahawks and the Rams, and then the Cardinals are six and four. Like you're so close to being in the wild card, and you keep putting in Nick Foles. Yeah, it doesn't make sense. He's on a four game losing streak. And I mean, yeah, exactly. And it's not like it's been against the the most stacked teams in the NFL. Like you lost to the Titans by seven. Yes, you lost. You lost to the Rams by 14. They've been good. But you lost to the Vikings. Yeah. You lost – you barely beat the Panthers. You barely beat the Bucks. You've lost to the Colts. You barely beat the Falcons. You barely beat the Giants. You barely beat the Lions. Like, they have not been good. And just just put, put your biscuit in. Don't worry about the rest of the season. Just try and get him a little more developed. See if you can get into the wild card. And – I mean, at least he was your first round pick. I mean, you're five and five. You're not likely to get a pick where you can, you know, make a franchise altering, yeah, quarterback decision. So, I mean, why not roll with the 25-ish guy over the 30-something-year-old guy? I mean, it just doesn't really make sense, especially given the, like I said, the winning track record that the Bears had early in the season with, uh, Mitch Trubisky so uh, something needs to change there I, I'm not in love with the whole situation there so for all the reasons above I think this is a definite Packers win and moving on to the last game of the week we have the Seattle Seahawks against the Philadelphia Eagles I'm gonna just go ahead Ooh. and uh, head out so <laughs> oh Carson Wentz has just oh I he has been so bad. Are you There's, ready? I. Because uh, here, here it comes. Um, it's it's Jalen Hurts time. Yes, uh, it is. I. 
am fully convinced. I've given Carson every benefit of the doubt. Um, I'm the I am the one of the biggest Carson Wentz fans that I know, even among Eagle fans. I, I really do love Carson, but I I can't ignore it anymore. He has been absolutely terrible this entire season, and at some point, I was hoping that something could turn around. It felt like each week we were getting a piece closer to, you know, looking like or resembling a, a average offense. And as close as we got to that, I, I pe- had Carson pegged as a guy to, you know, help an average offense over exceed. And he has absolutely not done that. And more than anything, he has shot that offense in the foot with his t- stupid turnovers and bad decision making. He's looked like a shell of his former self. And I can't tell you if the 2017 MVP version of him is even still in there anymore. I mean, I, I haven't seen it. It's it looked really, really bad. And you took a guy like Jalen Hurts in the second round last year. I don't care what you want to say about why he was taken. You just want to be a quarterback factory and, you know, take pride in having really talented players at the most important position on the field. But what does it matter when your quarterback has proved himself completely incapable of running an offense and you can't put his backup in. I mean, I think it's only going to have one of two effects. We're going to play bad and we're going to realize that Jalen Hurts isn't who we thought he was, which, I mean, at that point, we're just trading out bad for bad. And I'm totally fine with it at this point because I've seen enough of Carson. And the other way it does is it somehow decides to light a fire under Carson's ass and, he maybe somehow puts together a respectable NFL career with some other team after the Eagles hopefully trade him. So <laughs> I'm a little uh, kidding a little, but I mean, it is so tiring and it's so bad from this Eagles perspective that I, I'm ready to say put Hurts in the game and I'm ready this week. I want it to happen. I know it won't, but I, I think it's time to see what we got in Jalen Hurts. I mean, you also think about it like, if Carson Wentz stays in, that's Doug Peterson's job on the line. Yeah. Because well, and- if if you don't put in Jalen Hurts and Carson Wentz continues to play this bad, like, why would you keep him around? Yeah. Like, yeah. I understand Doug Peterson loves Carson Wentz. I understand that. Yeah. Like, he former MVP candidate – but he's played so bad this season. He has a QB rating of 73. He's 14 touchdowns, 14 interceptions. With He doesn't even have a 60% completion rating on the season. I mean, yeah. That's, that's not been, a good quarterback. No, it has not been. And it's been awful. And it has showed in every aspect on the field. I mean, you just want to talk about being not in tune with the players on the field, not – not having the chemistry, not having the throws be there, the accuracy, nothing is there for him. His footwork work seems erratic. It seems panicked in the pocket anytime it collapses. And we're talking about a guy that in his MVP season would look, you know, pressured right down the barrel and duck under a sack and, you know, roll out and make an insane throw on the run. And I haven't seen him do anything of that caliber in this entire season. And I can't lie, I've seen more hope in the 30-some-odd plays that Jalen Hurts has played than I've seen Carson Wentz on the field. And 
Also, I just want to touch on it because it pisses me off every time. When Jalen Hurts goes in the game, the Eagles need to take Carson Wentz off the field. Uh, I, I don't care why you would ever leave him on the field. It it just only hurts Hurts and potentially could hurt Wentz. Um, I mean, you're not doing Hurts any favors when you replace one of his potential receivers with a quarterback who stands no chance of making any kind of play down the field. So, And then this, this matchup is just it's, – it's not in the Eagles' favor whatsoever. Oh, like, no. The, the Eagles have a, a, a decent second, secondary for what they've been handed this season. But you're going against Tyler Lockett and DK Metcalf. It's, it's going to be bad. Oh, yeah. I mean, they, first of all, I don't think there's a guy in the league that is equipped, physically equipped to hang with a DK Metcalf the entire game. And I can tell you for sure, it's as much as I have liked what he's added to our team this season, it's not going to be Darius Slay. So, obviously, we have no answers for him. And Tyler Lockett on the other side of the field is a burner that no one in our secondary can compete with. So, it definitely, from the Seahawks' offensive perspective, looks like an absolute nightmare for the Eagles. And I, I think that the only place that they really even stand to have a chance is the fact that, I mean, this Seahawks' secondary is, you know, one of the worst in the league. And – Granted, the Eagles' pass game is one of the worst in the league, but if you want to see what you got, I mean, it's a good week to test it, but I would not be surprised if the 32nd best secondary looks like a very cohesive and Legion of Boom-esque level da- talented you know, secondary playing this Eagles team this week. Yeah, this – also, like, their their pass rush have got, has gotten better with adding Carlos Dunlap. It's – it's it's not going to be good for this Eagles team, and if if Carson Wentz doesn't get benched after this week, if it's a horrible performance, then I I don't know what you do. You, yeah, you fire Doug Peterson. Do you like? It's, and the thing is, like Carson Wentz has such huge contract, and mm-hmm. like I think it's a hundred twenty eight over four years. Yeah, and for how he's he's playing, it's like that's like a Nick Foles contract at this point. It's like you're getting the uh, – you're paying huge money for a guy who can't really do much for you right now. Yeah, and, I mean, that's a, a huge problem. And this is something that a – for one thing I will say that I will always give the Eagles credit is I love their front office. I think they have a tremendous front office there. Some of the best uh, book workers in the league, um, they always, no matter, you know, what – crappy contracts they find themselves in they manage to get under the cap and even have surprising moves in the offseason but with a contract like that there is no maneuvering you don't just make 120 million dollars disappear off your books uh that is money that is gonna be owed to Carson Wentz and you can't cut that to get that off your books you can't you probably can't even trade that off of your books and the Eagles right now are an absolute mess. And I think with the Seahawks victory, the Eagles are going to signal the white flag and show that the NFC race is up in the air. And that a team like we talked about earlier between the Giants, the Washington football team and the Dallas Cowboys, they all have chances. And specifically with this Washington football team and Dallas Cowboys matchup, that is one to watch because if, 
you know, we're correct and the Giants do win. The, whichever team comes out on top in that game will likely be tied. So it, it's going to be something to watch. Yes, it is. And I think that's going to wrap us up for this week. Um, I hope you all enjoy uh, these Thanksgiving games. I hope you all enjoy your Thanksgiving and stay safe, um, especially during these COVID times. Um, everything's spiking. Uh, just stay safe. Eat some good food. Um, I've been your host, Jason Mitchell, joining alongside Ian Hatcher. We'll see you all next time.